Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. We are delighted to welcome Patty Boyd. She is a 60s style icon and model. She inspired love songs such as Something, Layla, Wonderful Tonight, among others. She was at the heart of swinging London and rock and roll as she balanced life between being a highly in-demand model and her marriage to George Harrison and later Eric Clapton. We thoroughly enjoyed reading her two books, Wonderful Tonight, George Harrison, Eric Clapton, and Me, as well as Patty Boyd, My Life in Pictures, which we highly recommend. And we cannot wait to hear all about Patty's career, what she's up to now, and more. Thank you, Patty, for being here. My pleasure. It's really nice to be here. For our audience who may not have gotten to hear all of these fabulous podcast episodes that I've been listening to, yeah. were you telling your time as a model? So will you tell us about life as a model in the 60s? Um, well, it was a very different life to how models are nowadays. We had to do an awful lot of things ourselves. For example, if I have a booking to do, say, a shoot for a magazine, They'll tell me how many pairs of shoes I have to bring. If I have to bring any wigs, like a black wig or a curly hair. And with every shoot, I had to bring my makeup and hair, brush, comb, makeup, shoes, jewelry. So you have these great big bags you carry from one studio to another, uh, ready for a shoot. My goodness. And do you have to bring your portfolio as well? And the portfolio, because just in case... Occasionally, after one shoot, you might have to then go and see another photographer or go for a meeting. So if you have your portfolio with you, you're all ready to go. Oh, my gosh. Well, you can see the images that Patty is in, many Vogue covers, in her book, the one that is called My Life in Pictures. So that is where you can get the full scoop on those photos. I feel like I remember Pat Cleveland talking about that, too, having to break makeup and all of your your things with you that is so different today right yes i mean they're almost picked up by limousines today right exactly (laughs) there for them and hairdressers right uh, no we have more on right absolutely all right will you give us a peek into life in london in the 60s what it was like Well, I just felt that there was um, a time where I sensed there was going to be a change. It felt as if there was going to be a change in the air. Suddenly I noticed the guys walking down Chelsea, the King's Road, they were all growing their hair long and they started wearing more cool clothes. They didn't necessarily wear jeans, they'd wear different kind of coloured trousers, different shirts, hair getting longer. And I don't know, there just seemed like a a buzz or something in the air. And the girls' dresses, we were all, you know, when we left home, our skirts were like below our knees. And then (laughs) time went on, they just got shorter and shorter. And then trousers came, we had bell-bottom jeans and trousers, and um, everything just changed. We no longer looked like our mothers. Ah, that is very interesting because I feel like we're in another time of trying to figure out, you know, what 50 looks like, what 70 looks like. We're not dressing like our mothers again. So it's interesting 
that you all really went through that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that was great. You know, I mean, everything was changing. It was like a zeitgeist everywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I remember going to Paris <laughs> to do some modeling work there. And um, I think Paris hadn't quite caught up to London. Ah. And shocked at how we looked. Oh, that is so interesting. I can, I can sort of imagine that. Well, what was a day like in your life then? So I would um, make sure I woke up at like eight o'clock, have an alarm. And just in case I'd maybe had a couple of glasses the, the night before, I would put my alarm clock at the under, other end of the bedroom. <laughs> so I get out of bed to turn it off. Right. And then I, yeah, and then I'd have a list of studios that I had to go to, to as a go-sees. Mm-hmm. Or where, where I had a job. And then off I went, tra- travelled by public transport to get from here to there. Some jobs were really great because I'd be working with other girlfriends or mm-hmm. other models. And so we would have fun. You know, it was just it was just a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then, then the horror of horrors would occur when you'd go into a studio for, say, a big, big catalogue. These catalogues were people who didn't live near cities, who like farm people, sure. um, you know, need to buy clothes. Sure. So you try on these clothes. It was so hideous. When you went on set, they put dog tooth clips on the back so that they fitted. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't all glamorous. Some of right. it was difficult to make it look good. Absolutely. And hard work. I mean, long hours, right? Yes. Yeah, long hours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes photographers would take very long time to get the shot they were happy with. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then what would you do uh, afterward? Afterwards, I, mean, I might. Uh, yeah, I, I might go back to see my boyfriend, go out, or go and hang out with some girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Wine bars were just beginning to open up then. Mm. That's fun. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, wine bars and coffee bars. Okay. Okay. So we mentioned this a little bit, but is there anything more to say about this big transition from the twin sets, the traditional style, into this 60s fabulous fashion? Now, in, I think in most fashion cities in the world, Paris is number one because they had all those amazing designers, Balenciaga, Dior, Chanel, etc. And when people think of fashion, they think of those high-end designers. Mm-hmm. And there weren't really any in England at the time. Paris dominated everything. Except in the 60s, suddenly Mary Quant mm-hmm. came up, emerged with where with these wonderful new designs that were for people who were young. They weren't for people that are older with loads of money, mm-hmm. which is what Paris designers was, was, mm-hmm. the, was for them. Mm-hmm. And so there was nothing for us, for young people, nothing really good. And then Mary Quant emerged with most fabulous designs, most fantastic clothes. She was really good at doing kind of geometric designs on dresses and matching different colors together, like, for example, a chartreuse green with a blue. And, you know, she was really very talented and clever. So we had Mary Quant coming up. And then 
Behind her was Ozzy Clark, who was my favorite designer. He would design, he, his designs were based on the 1940s look of just a little bit of shoulder using silk chiffon, sometimes with a pattern, sometimes just a block color. And he made women look very feminine. And he would cut fabric on the bias. So if a fabric is cut on the bias, it's fine for any shape. It doesn't matter if you have bigger hips or smaller hips or whatever shape. you. It's really good. And he was very aware of what he was doing. Then we had uh, Bieber, who was fun. And people would go to London and go to Kensington High Street, where Bieber's shop was. And you just walk in. The music was so cool. We'd never had music in shops before. Mm. And people trying on different clothes and boyfriends were there saying yes or no. (laughs) And it was just like a place to be. It was a hangout store. How much fun. That just sounds fabulous. And then I had a girlfriend called Pat Booth. She was a writer as well as a model, but she's very entrepreneurial. So she had a little boutique in the King's Road in Chelsea where she would buy clothes from young designers and put them all in her shop. And John Lennon thought the best place to be would be in Pat Booth's shop, sitting in the window, watching everyone go by. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine that now? No. No, <laughs> no that's hysterical. People recognized him. Did it not cause a huge... No, well, no it didn't. Because, you see, these were early days for mm. the Beatles. Not everyone knew of them or knew what they looked like. Looked like. Uh-huh. And John thought this was fun. It was fun. I bet it was fun. You know, because all the girls would come and look in the window and look at the, look at the clothes. And then <laughs> John very close to it. That is a great story. How did you create your own personal style aesthetic during that time? I don't know. I just, I just went with what I thought, color, what colors suited me, mm-hmm. right? And I think colors are cyclical in fashion. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, um, I mean, for, for last, last year, the end of last year, the beginning of this year, I was madly in love with brown, like a cappuccino brown. I thought it was wonderful. And I realized so many other colors go with brown except for blue. Mm. Right. And so I would love, I would base my style and my clothes and my clothes of choice on the colors and then other colors that go with them. Okay. Yeah. Great idea. A lot of people try to put blue with brown and it really doesn't. I, it hurts my eyes. Yes. I totally agree. <laughs> There's the funniest photo in your book, My Life in Pictures, with the Rolling Stones. And Mick Jagger looks like he's about eight years old (laughs) in that photo. Now, here is an example of what I was talking about earlier. Sometimes you have to wear the most horrible clothes. And if you look at that photograph again, you'll see the skirt is a length that in my dreams I would never wear. And I thought later, God. Why did I have to wear that dreadful dress when I meet the stones? You know, ridiculous. It's the same. In, in a way, it's quite similar to when I when I first met the Beatles, when I was chosen to be in that film, Hard Day's Night, and I had to wear a school uniform. Oh. Lots of 
famous people in a school uniform. Uh-uh. Kept happening to me. <laughs> well, well, it didn't seem to matter. No. <laughs> <laughs> it did not. Mm-hmm. So when you're moving from the 60s into the 70s, how did uh, how did your style change between those decades? I think my style changed. It became a little more sophisticated, not so um, hippie-ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it all sort of put together, more mm-hmm. more thought. For example, I now started liking jackets with, you know, with a proper um, sleeve, uh-huh. with a proper shoulder, nicely right. cut shoulder. Right. So it became, yeah, a little sharper. And trousers, my trousers became straight and not flared. Mm. Right, right. A little more sophisticated. Yeah. yeah. And then I did like, um, Rosie was started doing maxi coats, mm. which was, as you know, a coat that mm. goes down to past the calf, which is really good with trousers underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, and we weren't wearing long dresses then. Right. And I think you're showing maxi coats and duster coats again this year. I like them. I, I think it's a I think it's nice. And for summer as well, you know, light yeah. does yes. coat. And, you know, you can wear a dress the same length, maybe. Mm-hmm. Also now this year, I can wear a long skirt. Right. With a dust coat over it. Right. Yeah. Yes. Thin. Yeah. yes. I love that look too, for sure. And then once, did you ever get to keep the clothes that, with, that you were modeling if you did like them? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Occasionally, you know, they would say, well, if you really wanted it, you must get in touch with the manufacturer and right. buy it. Oh, wow. Okay. Sometimes sometimes I thought that was, you know, wasting too much time. I'm on to the next thing. Sure. <laughs> Unless it was really, really special. Right. For sure. Okay. What about, let's talk beauty. What was your beauty routine? You're a fabulous model creating all these iconic images in the 60s and 70s. Um, first thing, it's removing my eye makeup, then r- removing makeup on my face and neck, decolletage, mm-hmm. and then toning the whole thing and then putting night cream on. Mm-hmm. And then in the morning, sometimes there's a little bit of dark under my eyes, so clean all that off. Wash my face with hot water and a flannel mm-hmm. and uh, and then splash cold water to get the, the pores back to close, and then some day cream. And is that now or then? That was That's now? That was, that was then. Now, and now I have to wear a little bit of skin tint, right. which is not as thick as a foundation, which I find too thick. I also find that it goes into the cracks, into right. the line face. Yes. So a skin tint I, I really like because it's yes. light and it gives you a little bit of color. Right, right. Yes, I like that too, very much. It's not not quite there yet to have any <laughs> crevices like we have. But. It's so sad, but there's nothing we can do to stop it. I know. So magazine after me, a magazine, everyone says, oh, you know, I get rid of your lines. Right. I'm it's, sorry. Once it starts, it's all too late. That's right. And, it, you know, it's inevitable. So, yeah. Um, did you ever share clothes with George or Eric? I think I might have worn some of Eric's jumpers because he always had great jumpers. He was, a, <laughs> he, he was quite a snappy dresser. Really? Uh, yeah. 
But, you know, I sometimes I'd wear his clothes, like my brothers when I was growing up. Right. My brother next to me, I'd wear his jumpers sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he'd always know, I, even though I'd put them, fold them back, put them in his drawer, right. he'd know because my breasts gave the game away. <laughs> they, they put the jumper out. So. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get away with it. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Well, you were one of the most stylish women in the 60s, and also you were friends with the most stylish people at that time. So did you all get inspiration from each other, style, inspiration, outfit ideas? Um, Twiggy and I became great friends at one time, and we go on holiday together with our husband's whatever, and um, she and I used to copy each other with makeup. Ah. Sometimes we, one time we did a session for Italian Vogue. Justin mm-hmm. de Villeneuve was taking the photographs. <clears throat> and we copied each other, absolutely. And then we started with a pencil, brown pencil, dotting little, s- what do you call them? freckles over our right, face. Right, right, right. Which was kind of cute at the time. But yeah, of course. But not to smudge it, you know. Right, 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 right. Later. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I used to lend my clothes to all sorts of people. Ah. Um, and sometimes I'd get them back and sometimes I'd forget who I'd lent them to. <laughs> it's interesting, too, when you're younger and when you're around other women and you pick up, you know, this mascara that, that they love or this look that they love or this designer or brand or little store or whatever. And when you're older, you're not necessarily as round around as many other women to have that kind of girl time and you know yeah yes yes and so and so sometimes even now i I see a girl wearing something i think god i'd love that right that where they got it from so i thought god i would buy it i it looks shit on me it looked great on her she's a different (laughs) Color hair, different coloring, exactly different body type. Yeah, doesn't work. Doesn't always work. Right, you're definitely right about that. Okay, you were part of a revolution, basically, right? The revolution. The revolution. (laughs) What was that like? Well, do you know what? I think I was very aware of it because I started meeting all these extraordinary people very creative people, not, you know, obviously fashion people, designers, hairdressers started to become quite cool and they were doing interesting things with hair like Vidal Sassoon, cut Mary Quant's hair in such an um, amazing way and then Leonard cut Twiggy's hair really short. Mm. And so there were, anyone in the creative world was doing wonderful things. Painters like David Hockney, we'd hang out with him and he'd show us the most amazing paintings that he had done. And and then music, of course, I'd hang out with the Stones or the Beatles or we'd pop into their um, recording sessions. And, you know, everybody seemed to know of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was cool. Nobody was hysterical and, you know, but, you know we just were maybe we behaved a little badly by just turning up. But it was, it, it was all fine somehow. It was really right. fine. We right. all looked so good. Everyone looked amazing. Right. Yeah. Joy and a happiness going, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I know. Mom and I watched during 
Omicron during that whole new wave. We watched the Let It Be documentary, which you are in. You do make an appearance. I don't know if you got to see it yet. No, but somebody told me I did see one little bit where I walk into the studio, I think. Yeah. Probably tell George what we're having for dinner. (laughs) 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 And then walk out. Well, I know. It was actually called Get Back. I guess that was what they thought it might be called, and then it changed to let it be. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, so let's talk about advice for future generations or generations now, because now is such a tumultuous time, but it's so different from this revolution that you were a part of in the 70s. So what is your advice for people today about making the change that they want to see? Well, in a way, I feel slightly disappointed now because I felt that we in in the 60s and 70s fought for our freedom, which we didn't have in the time before we broke away. We we created a freedom for ourselves and the way we thought and the books we read and the music we listened to, it was all breaking away from our parents. So now I feel that now younger people don't want that freedom. Anything makes them nervous and upset. Mm. And they're so easily upset that I worry about them. I want them to be brave, you know. In order for anything to change and forever, for any way to get what you want, you have to be brave. I'm sorry. And taking that one step of bravery in your life will mm. set you free because from there, once you've done it once, you're, you're on the way to a great, fabulous life that's really really true it just takes practice if you can just make that leap yeah absolutely right absolutely and don't be afraid i feel everyone's so you know so frightened and so nervous and and i'm sometimes worried about what i can say am i allowed to say or that or will it be misconstrued and if i if it's misconstrued will they come and kill me or right (laughs) seriously i know And Patty, will you share so what how you think about life? I was listening to one podcast and you were talking about, you know, not sitting there, going after it, mm-hmm. all the energy and everything. So will you give us some insight into how you view life and how you should go about it? Do you know I don't know what comes over me, but I suddenly have waves of inspiration. I suddenly think, oh, I must know and learn how to cook so and so, for yeah. example. A vegetable I hadn't thought of for years. I must investigate this vegetable and make it taste incredible. Do you know what I mean? And so I like to suddenly surprise myself as well. And so cooking is something that I really love to do. I also love taking photographs. I am a little lazy, however. I don't always use my proper big camera because my iPhone is, is perfect and I can take lots of nice photographs with that. And um, and I like gardening. Now, in a bit of a hurry, I created a vegetable garden and I planted all sorts of things, cauliflowers and carrots and onions and leeks and all sorts of things and, and artichokes. Anyway, I did make a mistake because I hadn't read the instructions. I planted the carrots too close to each other. So it looks like instead of pulling out one carrot, I've got a family of carrots. They all turned around each other. <laughs> it, looks, it now looks like a piece of sculpture. 
Oh my gosh, that's so great. <laughs> so you know, there's always something more to do. There's always something to improve on. Yes, I agree with you. There's we just like, sorry, yeah, give me joy to, to to you know find out what's wrong. How can I make it better? Right. I'm so impressed with the artichokes and everything. That's a lot. Love it. Yes. And sweet corn. My sweet corn are quite big. Oh, yum. That's great. I'm surprised they grow in England. Anyway, they're quite happy. I know. Same. Yes. And you can, Patty even started a podcast during COVID because she had right. so much energy. What was right. she to do? So she created right. these cooking episodes. Yeah, I did. Lockdown lunches, they were called. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, so I'd make all these great lunches just for Rod. No one else around, obviously. Right. It was lovely summer, and I'd photograph them. And oh, that's I'd wonderful. What lockdown lunches for anyone who's bored who doesn't right. know what else to cook? And you got to be creative. Exactly. Yeah. What was it like on set? Like with the when the Beatles were recording, did you were you able to be a part of that? And what did you wear and all that kind of stuff? I can't remember what I wore. Mm-hmm. Um, I only. Re- was in the studio twice when they were recording. Is this what you mean? Yeah, yeah. The studio, or yeah. concerts. I I sang on Happy Birthday. Yes, you did. And there was another one, Yellow Submarine. Yeah, that's right. Oh, fun. Oh, that's great. That's fun. Yeah, it was fabulous. Great fun. That's wonderful. Yeah. Did you go on set when Eric was recording or? Did I? I think I might have done, yes, I was probably, yeah, in the control room when he was recording ah. once I remember, yeah, being in Jamaica. But it was, it was really fun being going on tour with Eric. Mm. That was fantastic because I would si- stand at the side of the stage and, you know, and so I could photograph him and his band and see the audience mm. that were ecstatic. It was amazing to be in, yeah. Listening to the songs about you, written for you. I know. It's really <laughs> remarkable. Yeah, it's remarkable. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles, you didn't get to go really, except maybe if it was a, a concert for charity or something. No, Johnny, I didn't even. I only, I only saw the Beatles on stage once. Mm. Um, you know, the security was just enormous. It was going yeah. to be a nightmare. So the one time I did go was in London at a, at a place called Hammersmith. And George yeah. told me and my friends the last number that we should listen to before leaving because it wasn't going to be the last. They, they would be playing two more. Oh, okay. So we knew we sat quite near the emergency exit. The right time we got out and left when anyway a bunch of girls saw us. And they followed us up this down oh, this no. nasty little kind of like corridor. It was quite dark. And they were kicking me and pulling my yeah. hair. From- yeah. And so one of my friend, we the car was kind of opposite the road, the main road. And he said to me, just run. And I'll start the engine, just run and we'll go. Wow. That was pretty scary. And I could think, why are they doing this to me? They don't even know me. Right. And they were doing it because they were jealous of you? Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose, yeah, I guess they must have been jealous or they didn't see why I should be going out with George. 
he wasn't with them, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Really. You, know how, you know how girls can be. Yes. <laughs> That's really. So, Patty, I loved reading your book, Wonderful Tonight. Yes. The whole book, but especially the epilogue. I was wondering how it was going to end and where it was going to end. So I wanted to talk about the fact that those powerful and beautiful love songs, they put such immense pressure on you to be perfect. You felt that you needed to be. I thought that was really fascinating. And it opened my eyes to the weight of it at the same time time instead of this huge, incredible compliment. So will you walk us through? So after leaving both marriages, how you went about discovering and rediscovering yourself? You know, I went into such a emotional decline because I thought without being Mrs. Famous George Harrison, Mrs. Famous Eric Clapton, who am I? I got lost. I got lost without, without the weight of the fame and the, you know, well-known names surrounding me, I felt empty, didn't know who I was. This is the time to sort of see somebody professional who could help me, mm-hmm. bring, build me back up again and say, and the one thing she said, which I'll never forget, was, Patty, always buy yourself a bunch of flowers. Oh. What a thing to say when you're feeling depressed and lonely and, you know, like a nobody to buy yourself flowers is is a, an amazing thing to do. It's a very powerful thing to do. Yeah, that's so true, and it's so simple. Right? So simple, yeah. And it's so emotional. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, previously I would have thought, no, why would I waste flowers on myself? Right, exactly. Who's going to see them but me? <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, do you feel like, I mean, I've been through two divorces as well, and I know how painful that is, but do you feel like um, from talking with the therapist and everything, did you start a new path of like self-discovery and maybe become someone that you might not have ever been if you had stayed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this is a, a prime example of being brave and taking that big step and yes. being, well, going to kill me. Mm-hmm. And it actually is freeing mm-hmm. to realize that you've got no one to answer to, actually. <laughs> and yeah, and then you begin to know yourself better. And you can have those wonderful times when you are on your own. Don't read a book, don't do anything, just see where your mind takes you uh, and what it starts thinking about. I'm not provoked by anything at all. And that is interesting. It is interesting. And you get to garden and cook and do all of these things that bring you joy. And um, those were probably not things that you were doing when you were married to these musicians. But I still think this, like those songs, those songs aren't just, you know, special songs at the time. They're songs that bring me back to my high school and junior high. And when you still hear them, they're very emotional songs. Those are some of the most famous songs ever, you know. And so what is it like when you hear those songs now? I feel so close to them to the point where they are part of my being. Right. Amazing. They are part of my makeup. Yes. That's a gift. 
and Dexter Jones. Yeah. And she does. That's right. And he wrote, I want to know what love is or one of those. Kind. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, fa- oh, did he really write that for her? How lovely. To right. get her. That was her Layla song to get her <laughs> to fall in love with him. Mick Jones wanted and Dexter Jones. Yes. 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 Come in, Stephen. I've got a friend for you to meet. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Stephen. How are you? Hi, Stephen. Nice to meet you. Potential toy boy, don't you think? That's wonderful. I found something. It popped up on Facebook. Yeah. And it, it, look, I sent it pictures to you. Of you. No. Yeah, when you're talking show, about the 60s. Show me. With the Rolling Stones. We've got to see oh. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get my phone. Okay. Can you find it? That'll be great. And there's a picture of you with George. How funny when we're doing this. Right. I know. I can't wait to to see it. No, nor can I. (laughs) Okay. He's back, too. Let's see. Oh, that's my dear. Good boy. (laughs) Here's the photograph I was telling you about. Can you see it? Oh, wow. That's a horrible dress. Wow. That is yeah. so cool. So was it a longer dress? Yeah, horrible. And then this is nice. That's so cute. Oh, that is so cute. I love that outfit you have. I haven't seen that photo. <laughs> no, have no. I. Oh, you haven't? Yeah. Look, and those colors. Obviously, I think obviously being to Greece. I look and braided yeah. my no, hair. Yeah. Wow. Right. Oh, what did you perform at the Hollywood Bowl? Today, in 1967, only a few years ago. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Amazing. So it popped up. I want to see. Yeah, I like that. that. I called them to you. That's amazing. Thank you. So it just popped up on Facebook today in 1967? Yeah, it just popped up on Facebook. I don't know why. I think because of potentially... Or, you know, we being on Facebook with Jimmy Page and then all that, you know, suddenly it all people link up things, don't they? And then it all kicks off. Oh, I see. Oh, you're right. There was that picture of you with Jimmy Page. That's right. It? Yeah. We had the, we saw him for lunch the other day. We want to know what's next for you. Well, you know, I think it's about time. I started winding down all the work I do, i.e., you know, photographing exhibitions. In a way, I'd like to... Sell my entire archive and not do it anymore. It is exhausting. I, you yes. know, in the last months I went to New York, New Jersey, Miami, Japan, Good and, and and Greece, and uh, it's actually it's exhausting. I can't totally relax because I think, oh, what? When have I got another interview? Yeah, when, I would just like to be calm and um, not not have so many commitments. Right. What would that even feel like, right? Just to be able That'd to. Be yeah, suddenly oh, the day is gorgeous. I'm going to take off and go down to the right. South Coast or catch a plane to Ireland or. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's good advice to all of us. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. It's been so nice to meet you both. Absolutely. You too, most definitely. And people will have a link in the show notes so people can um, get the books, both books. 
Oh, yes. To your right. website, to your social media, et cetera. And please let us know if you're in New York. All right. Well, have a wonderful weekend. And thanks again so much. You too. My pleasure. Really nice, nice chat. I think we've had. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Binds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.